I want to get your, the Bible and go back to John chapter 16, verse 33. And my message tonight is on the miracle of a life of courage. Courage is strength to face pain or grief. Strength to face pain or grief. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fuel to actually not avoid stuff or deny stuff, but to face stuff. It's spiritual, moral, mental strength uh, that strengthens us to step out in faith, to persevere in faith, to withstand hardship, danger, overcome fear by faith, and to conquer difficulty. Say this with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of abasing and abounding. He had such hard times, and then at the end of the book of Acts, in the 1995 NASB Bible, New American Standard Bible, he was in his own quarters in Rome, freely coming and going. People were visiting him, and he was unhindered. Everybody say unhindered. So courage helps us to overcome hindrances. I will tell you for sure Life is filled with obstacles and hindrances. And uh, so courage is is very, very critical. In fact, Sir Winston Churchill said more than once that it's courage that counts. And uh, he had to deal with that with the Nazi blitzkrieg on on, uh, London and and, and other cities, uh, Liverpool. And uh, he, he... would after those bombings would go a step back out in the in the midst of the rubble and provide leadership and i want to tell you every believer and jesus follower is assigned to be courageous and provide leadership every one of us is responsible to some sort of setting and some sort of a footprint and so as i'm preaching to you tonight i want to tell you, this is what Jesus, in fact, said after a a tremendous layout of teaching, John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, what was he speaking about? He had just spoken about promises and about prayer and uh, about asking in his name. He said, until now you've asked for nothing in my name, chapter 16, verse 24, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. So Jesus said, I spoke these things to you. That was one of them among many. I spoke these things to you so that, now Jesus puts the why out. Jesus didn't just talk to be heard. He didn't just, he wasn't just into oratory for just talking's sake. He didn't like just having a crowd around him. He, he was intentional about everything he did. And he said, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Not the false peace of the world. Peace, peace, but there is no peace. He came to give legitimate, real, God-shaped, Bible-based, restful quality of security and certainty and blessed assurance. He said, these things I have spoken to you so that Because he knew faith would come by hearing the word. And the teaching that he was giving was not just rhetoric and it wasn't just to build and amass knowledge. It was to fuel their faith and strengthen them for courage, to give them supernatural courage. I've spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. He said, in the world you will have tribulation. Why? Because it's fallen. Why? Because the devil is the small g God of this world, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Why would Jesus say, take courage? Because we need to take it, and it's there for the taking. You get an alarming symptom, you have to deal with uh, a bad report, take courage. You see the news cycle, and you get uh, depleted and get grieved, take courage. Um... It, it's, a, it's an imperative. It's, it, it's, what, it's what David had when he faced Goliath in 1 
Samuel 17, 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. The anointing was on David, and the anointing is on you. The anointing is God's empowerment and enablement. And so he had to look at a group of people that were seized with fear and say, let no man's heart fail on account of him. And it was a turning point that we still talk about to this day. Nehemiah, Nehemiah rebuilt a wall around Jerusalem. Google the pictures of Jerusalem sometime and you'll see it still is a walled city. And in my mind, it's the epicenter of many prophetic and spiritual things. It, Nehemiah was assigned to fortify the deterioration of the walls. And they were trying to run him off. They were trying to distract him. Uh, at one point, they wanted to trick him and meet with him in the Valley of Ono. And he said, I am doing a great work. Why should I come down and talk to you? And uh, the Valley of Ono is, oh, no. <laughs> I heard somebody laugh, so I stole their joke. Okay. He said in Nehemiah 6.11, uh, they were trying to run him off and chase him, get him to go hide, get him intimidated. And he said, but I said, should a man like me flee? And could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? So he had an understanding. And I want to not confuse courage with uh, uh, just trying to be macho or trying to be tough, you know, or trying to be aggressive or trying to counterbalance. I'm telling you, there's something that comes from security and knowing God. Jesus said, I spoke these things to you so that in me you'll have peace. One of the main things he said is, ask the Father in the name of Jesus, and you, you'll believe you'll receive when you pray, right? Who is glad for the courage-building reality of when you pray, God hears and he answers prayer? I'm telling you, when we don't know what to do, we can go to God on the basis of these teachings from the Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus. One time I said, God, you, you know what I'm going to ask before I ask. Why, why do you want me to ask? He said, that's just how I laid it out. That was theologically satisfying to me when I was a young person. Uh, it, it, it is, it's not an exercise in futility. It's not spinning your wheels. I, I read in a textbook that, well, prayer really doesn't do anything because everything's God's sovereign and everything's already set in motion. But God lets you feel like you're part of something spiritual. I thought, that is wimpy, man. I, that is not what prayer is about. When you pray, you believe you receive. And prayer is bold declaration and in determination of God's promises. Uh, and as we, in fact, we're talking about courage. Let's go to 1 John quickly. Uh, this wasn't in my notes, but this stands out to me. In light of this, this is how the whole Lord's leading me. And it says, it says in chapter 5, verse 13, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's, that's courage right there. You have no so. You know that you have salvation. That's not I hope so and maybe so. You know so. When you pray, you believe you receive. Look at verse 14. And this is the confidence which we have before him. This is the confidence. We're to draw near to the throne of grace with confidence in order to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Do you know that was even modeled with David when he failed so miserably, set up Uriah on the battlefield, stole Bathsheba in a terrible lapse, and yet David still ran to God, humbled himself before God, with confidence, not confidence in his performance, but confidence in God's faithfulness. Don't you forget that. This is the confidence which we have before him. Look, that if we ask anything according to his will, and his word is his express written will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Hallelujah. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. This is one of those succinct, rare phrasings that is so complete in and of itself that if we were in a part of the world of a persecuted church that wasn't allowed to have a Bible, 
and they had just a scrap of a page of a Bible, and it happened to be John 16, 33. It's virtually complete in its theology. It tells us about how good God is. It tells us the world's messed up. It tells us so we could trust God and that we overcome. I, I'm telling you, that's, that's a complete phrase right there. You gotta, it, it's same thing with 1 John 5. He says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Is it God's will for people to be saved? Then we pray for their salvation. Is it God's will for people to be healed? Then we pray for their healing. Is it God's will for the church to thrive and shine and be a sending station and be a, a house of worship, a house of prayer for the nations? Yes, emphatically yes. So that is the confidence we have. It's Paul talked about the Philippian church. He said in chapter 1, verse 6, about courage, about confidence. I'm using them as synonymous terms, confidence and courage. In, in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, uh, he says, I am confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Christ. I am confident of this very thing. Let's look at it. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you. Well, that's the letter of, of, to the Philippian church 2,000 years ago, Paul the Apostle. Let's be specific. It's exegesis is the name of what you're supposed to do with this. Don't take it out of context. Don't make it say something it's not saying. Don't attribute it to somebody else. Figure out what the era is and so forth. I get all that. Okay, that truth in that moment is the same truth in this moment. It was written to the church, it, by, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We're the church. This is something we could take hold of for ourselves. I am confident of this very thing. He, Jesus, who began a good work. Don't you think salvation is a good work? Don't you think he inhabits the praises of his people is a good work? Don't you think this music is category different than regular entertainment type of music or rhythm or beats? As good as all music is, when it goes into God and he inhabits the praises of his people, it's a whole different deal. Communication is a great thing. But when it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and it's God's word, it's an entirely different thing. The, there are many bits of information that really matter and are important. Reading, writing, arithmetic, and history and so forth. But the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. And Jesus said, I spoke these things to you so you guys won't be weakened or depleted. But you'll actually have the, the ability to face the challenges, the strength that comes from these truths so you can stand. Well, how did David do it? If David was here and I was interviewing him, he'd say, listen, I want to clarify something. I'm not David the giant slayer. I'm, I'm, I'm David the God worshiper. God helped me to slay the giant, and he can do that for all of you as well. In fact, Caleb was the one that set the precedence. David gets a lot of credit, and then other people uh, became, said, hey, if David could slay giants, then so could we. There's a the domino effect. There's a a repercussive potential of when we're obedient, uh, obedience begets obedience. Strength begets strength. Uh, uh, faith begets faith. And so Caleb, oh, I love this. In Joshua chapter 14, oh, I, let, let, let's look at Joshua chapter 14. They, they had battled. He said, he, you know, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 1, but in Joshua chapter 14, Caleb and, and Joshua and the, and the people that had made it to this point said uh, in chapter 14, verse 6, they gathered together and they were, there was a distribution of the inheritance. There was, there was turf designation. The people that fought and prayed and stayed, with the, stayed on course got rewarded. Amen. And Caleb, the Bible says, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. Again, here's another amazing, full statement. You know, he told Joshua, the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. What was that word? It said there's a land flowing with milk and honey. God's given you this place. 
In fact, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to go back and forth to Joshua 1 and Joshua 14 because I'm a big fan of Caleb. I got the privilege of right before the pandemic to go up to Hebron. And I got to walk around the very area where Caleb was given the land. And there was a seasoned uh, Jewish guide who had lived there his whole life. And he was communicating with us uh, from this wall. And he said this wall was built right after Noah. I was like, wow, man. That's older than any wall around my house. I just tripped out on it. While he was talking, he kind of lost me. I was like, wow, man. That little funny little eroded looking wall all of a sudden is Super cool. Been there, done that, right. Joshua and Caleb had walked with Moses. Moses had precedent-setting responsibilities. He was called by God to break the cycle of oppression that was on the Jewish people for 430 years. Finally, somebody is raised up who doesn't care about being the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, who isn't doing selfies all the time, who isn't trying to outdo people on his Instagram. What he's doing is he's saying, you know what, man? I would rather deal with the suffering than enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. And, he, and the Bible says, Moses endured as seeing him who is unseen. Essentially, the life of faith is we fix our hope on the living God and we actually are required in our faith to walk by faith and not by sight. And um, so occasionally we get sensory reinforcement, for, but for the most part, we keep looking not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Yeah. Patty Fosnott is here, and her mother was very dear. She, she was so special uh, uh, in her personality. Ed got a really good mother-in-law. And a good wife, too. And, and Patty got a good husband. But she was, she loved Jesus. And um, I got to visit her. Uh, and, and, and it was in between nursing staff and family. She had a ton of kids. Um, what did they have? Like, Didn't your mom have like 60 kids? You're number nine, yes. That's what I mean, on the way to 60. And, um, you know, she and I had this talk about the Lord. And I, I, I feel I got so impacted, I hope she did, but I know I was in the presence of somebody who knew Jesus, knew where she was headed, and had courage and confidence to face in the situation with a spiritual bravery. And that's what Caleb and Joshua had to, they said, you remember the word? You, he said, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea? Time, place, the person that delivered it. Remember, you, and you know it because we meditated on it. And in, in Joshua, the first chapter, Moses prayed over Joshua. And in, chapter, in, in Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verse 9, the, Joshua, the son of, man, uh, son of Nun, at about 77 years old, received something that he had never had in his life up to this point. It was called the spirit of wisdom. And Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So in that impartation, there was this transfer of, of authority and responsibility, and now it makes sense because uh, the, Moses died. It said now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. We're in a transitional moment. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Now, this is about Israel and about the promised land that's right there next to the Mediterranean, uh, what's now near Jordan, Syria, Egypt, and so forth. You can look at your map in the back of your Bible. Uh, you can Google it, and you can see that this was, in fact, something God provisionally had uh, supplied for his people, and it's, it's, it was initiated at this point, and God is faithful, and he's seeing to it that it comes to pass. When we see he's faithful to a people group, we can be encouraged because he's faithful to the, the, the church, 
and he's faithful to his word, and he's faithful to his promises. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people. When Abraham was called, he went out in obedience to a land he knew not. When Noah was responsible to build an ark, he built it when there was no, it was not even, there wasn't even a prototype for boats. Uh, Sarah was called to be a mother, and she was past childbearing years, but she, by faith, received the ability to conceive past the proper time. That's hugely helpful to all of us when we feel like we're out of time and we're running out of time and we get that I shoulda, coulda, woulda thing trying to come on us. No, we've got to fend that off and only be strong and very courageous. In fact, he says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. Just as I spoke to Moses, from the, the wilderness and the, of this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory, will be your turf designation. No man will be able to stand before you or against you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. Now, immediately that evokes encouragement and courage because Joshua was there as a witness of how faithful God was in the conflict between Pharaoh and Moses. How, thing, in fact, people did stand up against him and yet couldn't stand up against what God was doing. I'm telling you, the end-time harvest of souls is coming to pass. The glorious church without spot or blemish, Jesus is resolved to bring to full fruition. And he says, and here's the key. He says, I will not fail you nor forsake you. I remember LaDonna, who was playing the piano, she gave me this verse, Isaiah 41.10. And I knew this verse, but when she gave it to me, it had a, it had a, like a manna surge of protein enrichment for me. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now look at these verses in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give the people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I don't know how many preachers, how many pastors, how many church bodies over the last several thousand years, 2,000 years of the church, the Jewish people that have drawn such specific strength from this chapter, this chapter tells a story of God's faithfulness. And it's also a huge courage producer. And when he says, be strong and courageous, God never exhorts us into something that he is not capable of downloading in us, faithful to sustain and bring to completion. For you shall, he says in verse 7, again, only be strong and very courageous. You know, when, as a parent, when I, have to, when I repeat to my kids, they, it helps them to know this is important. You know, um, when Jesus said in the New Testament, truly, truly, I say to you, I have a granddaughter named Truly. And so when, she, when the mom and dad really want to get her attention, truly, truly, they're going to have to say that right out of the Bible, truly, truly. And uh, God wants Joshua to not go forward intimidated. God wants Joshua to only be strong and very courageous. And here's how you do it. Verse 7, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Years ago, Nike had an ad campaign just do it, but long before Nike was ever a shoe company, uh, do it was God's idea. Now, in the, in the early church, James, the Lord's brother, he said that we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. So God wants us to consistently take action and, uh, and only be strong and very courageous. Young people, face the future with confidence. You're, 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 you're poised for the miraculous. Every one of us is being uh, slotted into position according to the wisdom of the head of the church. He describes us as members of the body. 
and the uniqueness and the diversity of the church. He, God's he authored that from the very beginning. And the array of variety in the body of Christ, different operations, different effects, variety of, of gifts, but the same spirit who works all things in all people. Hallelujah. That's why we don't need to compare ourselves among ourselves. We don't need to become rivals. We don't need to, to compete. Well, what we do is we realize we are colleagues and not competitors. We're the head and not the tail. We're more than conquerors. The greater one lives on the inside of us. And Jesus is, a, is the king of this thing. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. So God was saying to the people under the law, it's important that you be adamant and flow and be cooperative. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do, there it is again, just do it, according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you. When you're on the sunny side of the street, the Lord your God is with you when you're going through a treatment. The Lord your God is with you when you're raising your kids. The Lord your God is with you when you're weeping and when you're laughing. The Lord your God is with you when you're sleeping and in your waking hours. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, and I'll in no wise cast you out. He's present to help in the time of need. He supplies and he supplies strength. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Old Testament pattern, just like Nehemiah is an Old Testament pattern of what can happen when people cooperate. Psalm said, my people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. And in the day of Nehemiah, chapter 4, when they were attacking and trying to inhibit the work and the progress, which is what Satan does and his people and his and evil forces try to do to hinder the move of God. But we will not be denied. God will cause us to triumph. And they prayed and they fought. And the, the wall was built to half its height because the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. And in the book of John, it says, this is the work of God that we believe. Like I talked to some people today. I didn't know where their belief system was, but I had to dial them into, there's a God, and you've got to believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Basically, if you want to know a big aspect of the theology at St. Louis Family Church, it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, among many other points, but uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God, but he, and for he who comes to God must do two things, must believe in his existence, that he is. I heard a preacher elaborate on that, not that he was or that he will be, but that he is. And that he is a rewarder. This is important. A lot of people pull their foot off the gas with this one. That he is, because we don't want to have bad motives. We don't want to be in it for the wrong reasons. And we do need to keep submitting our motives to the Lord and trust in him and to cleanse him and keep him in right priority, right track, right? But we can't back off or be reluctant to embrace the belief and the responsibility to believe, hey, God, you are not only someone who exists, but you're also specifically a rewarder of everybody who seeks you. How many of you have sought the Lord through your life? How many of you would say, Pastor Jeff, I'm an example of reward? Raise your hand by faith. Raise both hands, because you've been double blessed. I spoke to a person today they, the, the, whose husband has an ongoing health con condition. And they've been married. They've been together almost 30 years. It was beautiful what they said to me. Because I knew, we knew going in we had this issue, um, it just made, it changed our perspective. It made, I'm, 
they, they said, I'm, they qualified it by saying, I'm not saying everything was perfect through our lives, but it, I think, broadened our perspective and deepened our appreciation. It made us, because we realize we're living on borrowed time, we're going to appreciate and savor what God's given us. Come on. We need to get a hold of this. Because, man, we'll work. I mean, you work so many hours. You know, your kids are now like, there's a, there's a demand on you. You know, you've been through some stuff that is like, man, you know, it's left a mark. However, we're going to worship God and trust God and believe that he is and that he is a, there's a reward in this thing. When we release our faith, see, he said, I spoke these things to you so that in me you will have peace. You know, it says in Philippians, let, I think it's Philippians or Colossians, let, and in the Amplified it says, let peace rule as the umpire in your heart. Where is that? Colossians 3.16? Yeah, thank you. Um, I knew it was in there somewhere. And um, I knew if I threw it out, somebody would give me chapter and verse, and somebody did. Um, everybody say, be strong and courageous. How do you get strong? How do you get strength? How do you develop strength? Not, in a, not being a couch potato, not, being, not a sedentary life. In fact, you, they, they say you'll, your muscles will atrophy if you're inactive. So we need to be doers. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, overstimulation and, and being silly. I'm just talking about physically we've got to keep, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. So we've got to keep using our muscles. Like they tell us, uh, instead of taking the elevator, walk the staircase, you know, that type of thing. Little stuff like that matters. Spiritually, we keep using our faith. We keep believing God. In fact, I wrote something down. Uh, and I wasn't, it wasn't in any way going to be a message. I just wrote this down for myself, but now I'm going to preach it because this it was in my book. Pray in faith. Prepare in faith. Plan in faith. Decide in faith. Continue in faith. Forgive in faith. Move in faith. Stand tall in faith. Persist in faith. Be brave in faith. Be secure in faith. Relate in faith. Work in faith. Evangelize in faith. Minister healing in faith. Give in faith. Serve in faith. Because the just or the righteous shall walk by faith. And that is where we get strengthened. The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord and the person, when, you, when the Lord is in your life, that's where your strength is. David was a man after God's own heart. David's life example wasn't like a bunch of success principles. What it really was was a relationship statement. I, I, you came out against me in, in, with sword and spear. I come out against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He came out relationally. Goliath came out professionally uh, trained as a warrior. Even Saul said, this guy's been a warrior from his youth. You, you never have been. He tried to say to, in, in 1 Samuel 17, here, try my armor. It didn't work for Saul. It, was not, it wouldn't fit or work for David. What did David do? He picked up what was familiar to him, five smooth stones from the brook, and he had his sling that he was, he was comfortable with. He, he knew it wasn't... A big nine-foot-tall guy with a little sling with some pebbles. It's like, it's going to have to be God on this. Like, I'm looking at my stuff, and it's like, it's limited and finite. But my God is my God. And he is mighty. And he is righteous, and he's holy, and he's available. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Again. Years later, the prophet Isaiah comes along, who I'm sure meditated on the book of Joshua. And he said, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. To the lost, I will save you. To the fearful, I will bring strength to you. 
surely I will uphold you with my righteous, awesome. Don't you think God must have an amazing right hand? I think so. And then we go down to verse 18, and at the very end, for the fourth time, only be strong and very courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus spoke over and over again to all of us. In Luke 18, 1, he said, now he is, was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 1, therefore, since we have this ministry as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. Verse 16, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Today I watched a man pass to heaven, and I watched a man get saved. Just within a moment, just in moments. Eternity is in the balance. What I'm preaching to you, I'm telling you, it's real. This God we serve is faithful and mighty and righteous and holy and exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ever ask or think. So when he says four times, only be strong and very courageous, that's like when your mom called you by your whole first name and your middle name. You know, Mary Joseph, Elizabeth, whatever your name was, he called you all, all of them. Truly, hey, truly, come here. Truly, truly. Then it's like, whoa. Mary, Joseph, and Elizabeth. No, they, don't, they shouldn't. Thank you for correcting that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I messed that up, didn't I? Galatians 6, 9. Let not, let's not lose heart in doing good. Galatians 6, 9. For what? In due time. What? We will reap. If we do not grow weary, faint, or lose heart. Look at somebody next to you and say, only be strong and very courageous. Flex one of your guns. Just show them. Give them just show them one of your guns. The Bible says in Proverbs 31 that the virtuous woman makes her arms strong. Hallelujah. And, and, and the men of God, I'm telling you, he bears his mighty arm for all of us, for men and women. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. There must not be exasperation in the church. Earthly parents must never uh, overcorrect the kids. And, and, and uh, we, there, there has to be... Uh, uh, an attitude toward not punishment, but correction and training. In the church, I see Jesus all about training us and equipping us and fueling us and guiding us, delivering us and get out of sin, stay on track, stay on task. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget what you have. You're a partaker of his divine nature. You've escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. I love Hebrews 12, 3. Consider him, Jesus, I'm telling you, he didn't lose heart, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Look, we need to consider him so that you, I, we, will not grow weary and lose heart. People have said to me, oh, Pastor Jeff, I think one of your life messages is perseverance. Well, how do you think I got here? I had to persevere to get here. And by the way, it's not something like, hey, this is a skill set I've developed. The only reason I'm persevering is because the Bible admonishes me to do so and doesn't give me any other way around it. Only be strong and very courageous is non-negotiable. It's not like God said, or you can compromise a little bit and lay down. No, he says, having done all to stand, stand, right? God's not saying, I'm giving you some divine suggestions. He's saying, this is what, this is what it's going to take to get to the other side. And I'm preaching to people who have fought through so much garbage. I'm preaching to people who have been through some stuff. You, in and of yourself, have such strong testimony of God's grace. 
You should actually share it with people because there's power in it. We overcome by the word of our testimony, chiefly the testimony of who Jesus is, what he's done for us on Calvary, how powerful the Holy Spirit is, how dynamic the word of God is. But then let's just tell it on, in your own work clothes and in your own style. Communicate, hey, let me tell you how God took care of me. Because other people that hear that go, wow, I can relate to that. I can't relate to church speak. I can't relate to quivery vocal inflections. I can't relate to spookiness. But I can relate to somebody leveling with me about the difficulties of their life because life's not fair and it's challenging. And if you came through something, I'm interested in finding out what got you through it. We have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Stay prepared. He that is wise wins souls. Always having Jesus central, always ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. Why am I smiling? Because Jesus is Lord of my life. Why am I praying? Because I know that if I ask the Father in the name of Jesus, and it's biblical, and I have, then I have the confidence that he hears me. And when I know I'm praying his will, I know I have the petition. Which I pray. And he, by the way, in John 16 said, Ask the Father in my name. I was driving to Topeka, Kansas, reading a book. And um, I, I wasn't driving. I wasn't driving. But the guy that was driving, his name was Eric, he was reading his little Gideon Bible. And it, he was in Kansas, and it's flat. You could basically do that. It was, it was like, it was like, it was pre, it was, it was a prototype of the Tesla. No, you can't do that. You can't text. I had to throw my phone in the back seat of the car when I realized how tempting it was to, oh, it's just buzzed. What, what is it? And, you know, like that, that's not, that's, that's called distraction. So don't do it. In fact, I, I don't know. I'm going to just throw this out because this is important. I had a very dear friend give me this verse, Proverbs 4.25. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all, the way, all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Now, that's Solomon, the son of David, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Virtually the same points God made to Joshua and Caleb. And now I'm going to finish with Joshua chapter 14. When I was on the way to Topeka, Kansas, I was reading a book about prayer. And it said, what you, how you pray is you, you ask the Father in the name of Jesus. I read that. I reread it. I was a brand new Christian. I did not. I just would pray, you know, generally. And I got sp specified directive. That was, that was life-changing for me because I was introduced to the biblical pattern of prayer. Not like in some sort of religious uh, system, but in this is how you go to the Father in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, right? And uh, I, I, we had a staff meeting. I had one of the people pray, and they, I just noticed how many times they inserted in the name of Jesus while they were praying in the name of Jesus. I thought there's power in the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which men shall must be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, right? So he said, only be strong and very courageous. What did they do? They, 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 they marched around Jericho's walls under the leadership of God, and the walls came down, correct? And then back here in Joshua chapter 14, and we'll finish with these points. This is strengthening for us. I'm almost finished. This is going to give you, inherently, it produces courage. Uh, it says in, in chapter 14, and we're going to read verse 6, it says, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. Verse 7, this is his 85th birthday. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. You could read that in Numbers 13. I'm, I'm, yeah, Numbers 13. Uh, and I brought, look at this, this is important. I brought back word, I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. This is my goal as a pastor and as a preacher. Similar to what Jesus said in John 16, I spoke these things to you. Here's intentionally. Here's why. 
so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. Take courage, be of good cheer, bust a move. I have overcome the world. Right? There's overcoming power in the name of Jesus. And Caleb, when he was a 40-year-old man, had a word from the Lord. And you bump it up a few decades, and he's on his 85th birthday, and he's standing there with his friend Joshua. And he's standing with people who transition from a one point into a new level. You could call it, it could be revival. You could call it pioneering. You could call it progress. You could call it success. You could call it advancement. You could call it a, a lot of things. This is, it, it's, it's victory. It's victory. And he says, I, I, I brought back word as it, to him as it was in my heart. See, we're to be word people with deeply held conviction and actually be people of the good report. We're not problem deniers. We are not in presumption. We admit how challenging life is. We admit how evil the devil is. We admit you know, how weak flesh is. And we acknowledge how strong God is. And we stand and affirm how big his promises are. And we uh, uh, articulate how great it is to have Bible faith. And he says, and we'll go down here a little further to verse 11. He said, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. What about that? He's saying, because God has been my strength through my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. That's what David said. The Bible says to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, to put on the whole armor of God so you can be strengthened. He said now, verse 12, he said, verse 11, for war and for going out and for coming in. So then, give me this hill country from which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out as the Lord has spoken. On his 85th birthday, he wasn't carving out frontage property on the lake for retirement. What he was saying was, maybe I'll get to put a whooping on these giants. Where do you think David got this? He got it in Hebrew school and sent when, he was, when he was a little kid. And he read about Caleb. And there's this area called Hebron that no longer has giants. Now, amazing patriarchs are buried up there. The giants got run off, and it's now become a place of prestige and honor and advancement. And, and, and David drew from this. Hey, I remember back in history amongst my people, the God of Moses and the God of Joshua and Caleb, well, he's my God, and I could face this Philistine giant. And so we see the God of the faithfulness of, uh, on, on Moses and on, then on Joshua. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. And then Joshua and then Caleb. And we know the word which the Lord spoke to us, uh, to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me. It, it gets personal. Why is it that Joshua and Caleb said, remember when he spoke the word concerning you and me? When it was actually generally spoken to the people? Because they were people of, great, of the good report. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? At some point, we need to reach out and say, I believe I receive that. That's how we get saved and we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. And then we, how do we obtain promises? You ask the Father in the name of Jesus. You have confidence when you know it's right out of God's word. You can say, okay, Father, whoever wrote Hebrews, that faith is what pleases God. I want to build and grow and get strong and have courage concerning this. And so he says in verse 13, So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Let's all stand up on our feet. The Bible says God's chosen our inheritance for us. I don't know the areas of advancement in your specific uh, personal life that God's called you to. You're going to have to sort that out with your walk with him in prayer. I know what God's called this local church to do. I am believing God for some amazing supernatural strides. 
But it all has to do with people having an attitude of, okay, God, I receive the courage building, strengthening that comes from you. I'm believing. I think about Joseph of Arimathea. Mark chapter 15, verse 43. I feel like he really deeply honored Jesus by giving him a tomb, which was a big deal in that moment, and it was a biblical fulfillment. And what he did is he gathered up courage and went before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He gathered up courage. I want to encourage you to gather up courage because the Bible says, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Can you do that with me tonight? Only be strong and very courageous. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I feel weakened. Let the weak say, I am strong. When we're weak, then we're strong. It's the paradox of faith. It's like, God, the more I think we're reliant on Him and the more we recognize apart from Him we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Philippians 4.13. So, Father, we thank You for strength. And God, what you initiate, you sustain, and you bring into completion because you're our accomplishing God. And God, I thank you for your supernatural strengthening coming on this place and on these people. Whoever's watching online right now, Lord, I pray you move mightily on them. I pray, God, you get a hold of their situation, stir up their faith. In fact, somebody's just dialed in and didn't even know what I preached on. But right now, God, I'm praying a supernatural anointing will get on them and you will move mightily into their situation. I push back the demonic influences off of their thinking. I pray, God, they get that you offset some of the harshness of their experience. They get some relief. I pray there would be peace. You spoke these things to us so that in you we might have peace. So we take courage. We take courage today, Lord. We take courage for the remainder of our lives. These people that are having children in this context, because Jesus lives, we could face tomorrow.